Welcome back to another season of the Born Again Again podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Joe. So we are still a married couple. We're still <laughs> learning how to live on the other side of Christianity. And we're going to get into how season two will be a little bit different. But first, we want to get weird. Yes. I feel like the best way to start season two of the podcast is to do like a classic episode where we can just like laugh and be light and enjoy talking so about something. Yeah. So uh, the, the whole like idea of this episode uh, was placed in our minds by a conversation we had with um, some Christian friends. And we were asking them if they feel like communion is weird. Um, and I don't really know what we expected to hear back, but we I think we were both probably a little bit surprised when our friend answered, no, it's not weird. Like, you know, we've been doing it forever. It's not weird. You're just trying to think of it like, I don't remember what they said exactly, but it's something like that. Like, you're just trying to like think of it in a weird way, but like, it's it's not really that weird. I think you know? we sometimes forget what we are like when we are in Christianity and we we kind of like have been out for a while. So we forget that things that we think are weird now, it took us a long time to like get to that point yeah, of noticing. Totally. It took that. like the longest time to even, yeah, notice that something we were doing could be considered weird. And I even think about like when we were really Christian, I thought that Mormons were like so weird or Catholics. I thought like Catholics do the weirdest rituals and stuff. Like there's, that's such yeah, a weird so way to weird. believe. But dude, Christianity is, yeah, I felt normal. I mean, largely probably because like everyone in my life was also doing those same things. Mm -hmm. But regardless of the reason, I think there's tons of things that Christianity kind of requires you to believe in that are really, like really, really weird, really weird things to believe as a human in 2020 who like has access to the internet and, and science and technology and all this stuff. So mm -hmm. that kind of spurred off our idea to have this or to do this episode about, um, yeah, the weird things that Christianity causes you to believe in. So to start things off, um, I, I kind of was thinking about like, how does this happen? You know, because I think people who are like generally rational can become Christian and who can think for themselves. Like, it's, I don't, I don't feel like every person who's a Christian is an idiot who no. like can't think for themselves, you know? Um, so there's like obviously kind of a reason how this happens and there's a pattern to like why people can even end up believing the things they believe. So I think. A lot of us are familiar with this idea, but there is a, a technique. It's it's called a compliance tactic um, in psychology, and I think it's used in marketing and in in law and in any any scenario where someone needs to try to get something. But there's a compliance technique called foot in the door, um, and like I said, I think we've all heard of this. But it basically is the idea that you get a person to agree to a large request by having them agree to a modest request first, um, and the the like Wikipedia entry on this says this technique works by creating a connection between the person asking for a request and the person that is being asked. If a smaller request is granted, then the person who's agreeing feels like they are obligated to keep agreeing to larger requests to stay consistent with the original decision of agreeing. Um, that <laughs> to me, that felt like, oh, that that's exactly what happens when someone is evangelizing to someone else and ends up like that person ends up going from being an atheist or whatever they think through to a Christian. And a year later, they could be someone who's like devoted their life to this thing. And they've been baptized and they've been, they've done all these things and their life is completely reorganized around this Christian idea. This foot in the door technique seems like a perfect way to kind of explain the, the beginnings of that progression. Yeah, it does. And it, and it makes me think of good old Darren Brown. Yeah. <laughs> the one, one of the Netflix specials he had where he, 
was trying to get somebody to be basically like an accomplice to murder. Was that what it was? Or push someone off of yeah, the building? Yeah. And he was talking about how it's the same thing. I, I don't remember if he said foot in the door, but he he started getting them like to do small things in the beginning, like give a vegetarian uh, something with meat in it, you know? Yeah. And then he like got it all the way up to pushing a man off of a building, which didn't actually happen. He had everything set up, but it was yeah. like really scary how he kept asking this guy to do bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger things. And this guy was like, you know, basically that I've done all of these things already for this person. I basically need to be consistent like this. Exactly. Yeah. Set. You're in so deep. Cause like that guy at the end of the Darren Brown special, the guy who ended up like pushing someone off the side of a building, like to kill them, think, thinking that he may be killing them would never have done that like the day before. No. You know, he wasn't primed for it. But since he had gone through all these little steps, taken like these little jumps, little leaps of faith in a way, like for for the people he was helping, it kind of wore down all of his defenses to the point where now he's so immersed in this thing that he would do something so uncharacteristic of him otherwise. Yeah. And so when I, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, you know, there's probably like, there's probably a psychological term for this being applied to beliefs. But I saw a real parallel between something like that, like you're talking about foot in the door, someone asking you to help them with something, and then you like feeling obligated to continue helping them to be consistent with the same thing with beliefs, someone getting you to believe something small, and then kind of continually ramping things up, things, things that would typically be hard to believe now are becoming easy to believe because they've been preceded by this whole string of like, steps to get there. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I see yeah. that. I mean, I see that with even things. I mean, it just seems like a crew tactic when we were in crew, you know, it I was thought about crew a lot. Did you? It too. was just yeah. like easy, you know, Oh, just read this little booklet, pray to accept Jesus in your heart. That's all you have to do. Well, now that you're a Christian, you should really come to meetings. And now that you're going to the meetings, you really should go to church. And now that you go to church, you really should stop having sex with your boyfriend. Yeah. And now that you're doing that, you really should believe, like, let me teach you a little bit about, like, this, I don't know, communion thing. Let me teach you about, I don't know, like, all, all the other yeah. stuff that maybe we'll you talk should about today. You should go on mission trips. Like, you should come on a summer project with us. Yeah. So you should do this and that. Like, a committed Christian would do this. Yeah. And so, yeah, in order to stay consistent. Not, it's not, like stated necessarily oh, but it's, it's definitely, definitely implied yeah it's i feel like a lot of i mean we've talked about this before but like so much stuff isn't explicitly stated it's just kind of yeah unexplicitly like subliminally subliminally suggested yeah and everything's like just an easy suggestion so it never feels like you're making a huge leap but once again i think if you zoom out and you kind of look at the whole picture you can see the path of like how a person could get so deep into something that seems like completely nonsensical from the outside. Mm -hmm. um, so the first thing I kind of wanted to go through was uh, I was thinking about crew and how we were sharing the gospel with like the college students yeah. using our little KGP pamphlet, our little tract. Um, and I was thinking through like, what are the kind of like the steps of belief that someone goes through during that process that leaves them kind of open for other things later down the line in Christianity. And so as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, I go up to a college student and I say, hey, like, can I talk to you? Can I, you know, share this with you, whatever? And they agree to it. The first thing that I need, I as a Christian would need to convince them of is that there is something fundamentally wrong with them. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's an easy enough 
belief to kind of call up in a person. Yeah, because people feel guilty for stuff yeah, on like, their own. Yeah, right. Isn't that, that's a thing, right? Like when, when a Christian's evangelizing, they're like, well, have you ever sinned before? Or have you, have you ever, <laughs> have, you <sinned> before? <laughs> have you ever lied before? And uh, everyone's oh, like, everyone's oh, like, I forgot about <laughs> I that. God, have, have why you, you ever done like, this? go up to a stranger and be like, you're bad, aren't you? Remember when you lied? Yeah. Like, what the heck? How rude. <laughs> yeah. So there's probably a lot of other <sighs> compliant, <My> like, psych- <laughs> psychological, like, compliance techniques involved in what you just said there. But focusing on the the foot in the door one, the, f- the first belief that they kind of get you to buy into is that there's something fundamentally wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I think that's a small step because everyone feels a little bit guilty about something. Every No one's going to say, you know what, I've never made a mistake. I'm perfect. Yeah. It's, it's easy to play on someone's guilt. Yeah. So like right away, right there, there's a first step. They've established something. They believe that there's something wrong with them. Easy. You know, that's something. It's so funny like that. Every single person, like, especially if they haven't, you know, ever really maybe looked at their life or like really come to terms with, you know what? It's okay. Everybody makes mistakes and I make mistakes and I don't need to feel guilty about my past and all of that. Like a lot of people haven't like done inner work or gone to therapy. Right. right? But so like, I feel like when Christians are evangelizing and I always thought this too, is like when you tell somebody, man, like God said, like I, you know, I should talk to you and that you maybe like are broken and they burst out crying. Yeah. And like, you always see it. The Christian always sees that as, oh my gosh, it's a sign that this is a really this is a person I really need to talk like to. And I'm God really, really this. touching this person. Mm-hmm. But what you're just doing is you're like playing on what every single human has. And that's guilt, especially yeah. if they haven't gone through a process of like realizing that everybody deals with it and that they can let it go right. and forgive themselves. Yeah. They don't need a God to forgive them. Totally. Yeah. But that's on the side. I mean, that's, it's the same thing though. I feel like it's such an easy thing to prey on. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel like this first step kind of getting them to believe that they're fundamentally flawed is a really easy it's like an easy thing to believe in, you know, mm-hmm. and the fact that mm-hmm. it's, it's like kind of, it's kind of um, like spiritual sounding. There's no like real concreteness to it. So it's like, yeah, I, I can believe that I'm, I'm like bad. I'm not. I, yeah. I don't need to read a Bible verse or like, you don't yeah. need to give me any ed- evidence. For Especially that. when they put it in the, I think in the KGP, it puts it in the terms of like, God is perfect and anything less than perfect is like all evil, yeah, you know, like true. a black and white thing. Yes. So it's like, well, I'm not perfect. So I guess I'm definitely bad. not perfect. Yeah. yeah. So that feels like an easy first step. Okay. No problem. Easy. The second step <laughs> is the belief that you will be tortured after you die, unless something like changes and saves you. Okay. So yeah. this is, we're like getting into a little bit more religion kind of stuff yeah. here. But I will say that I think at least where we were on campus, we're in America, we're in a smallish town in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Everyone has heard of Christianity there. Yes. Everyone is familiar with the ideas of heaven and hell. Yeah. Now you're coming from a place of believing that you're fundamentally flawed. You've like the, this, the students like engaged with me as a Christian, I've got them to believe that they're fundamentally flawed and that there's something like wrong with them essentially. Now I'm confidently sharing with them that there's like consequences for that, mm-hmm. that there is, there is like this cosmic universe level punishment because there's something wrong with you yeah that is a bigger leap i feel like that that like jump to believe that is a bigger leap and i think probably some people get lost there and are like ah you know what i just can't buy that but i think that people who are feeling like especially maybe lonely or especially guilty about the way they've lived their lives or or especially unfulfilled in their life are going to be more susceptible to this one as Mm -hmm. well someone who's like a person who feels guilty often in their life 
will have their guilt so activated by the first belief that I just made them buy mm-hmm. into that the second one becomes a lot easier to swallow mm-hmm. than it would be if I just went out in the college hallway and stood on a chair and was like, you're all going to hell. You know, that's, that's, it just, it would be a bigger leap. Too big way. of a leap. Yeah. yeah. And, and guess what? Fear is the best motivator. Well, yeah. So <laughs> that's, I mean, seriously, that's like such a good tactic in a way, mm-hmm. you know? So if you can get someone at this second point, now you've like really got your foot in the door. Yeah. I feel like you've really started to kind of take down, you've really started to like push the boundaries of what someone's gonna like believe and yeah. agree to. And also like, you don't need to necessarily prove how maybe that person in their mind is just thinking like, well, what's the harm? You know, I don't want to go to a bad place. Right. And I am bad. I'm like, I know yeah. I'm bad. So like, maybe I just like listen a little bit more Totally. because yeah. like, what's the harm? Like it's not, it, you know, if there's a chance that I could go to this place, I want to hear what I could do. You know, it's not that I necessarily believe it for sure, but just like, I want to like save, you know, definitely my butt a little. Yeah. But like better safe than sorry. Yeah. Better like safe I've, than sorry. I've heard of heaven and hell. I don't know like that much about it. I'm not very religious, which I maybe feel a little bit guilty about. Mm-hmm. And like, if you're telling me that there's like potentially huge punishment for me, like better safe than sorry, I'm going to listen to you. Yeah. 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 What is that? That, uh, term? We talked about it in one of our episodes. Pascal's wager. Yes, yeah. isn't that related to that? Yeah, yeah, that's the idea. Like, well, I don't know if there's a god, but what you're saying to me and telling me that there's hell sounds really bad. So, like, I'm going to pay attention and, like, at least I need to consider this. Whereas, again, I think if someone was standing on the corner of the street, like screaming, "You're all going to hell," or "Gays are going to hell," or whatever, it's easy to write that off and be like, "You're insane." Yeah. But like coming from this direction, it's a little, e- it's a little easier. Um, the third step is or the third like step in sharing the gospel during crew would be to basically explain there's a way for you to be like saved from this though. And that is like kind of the next thing they need to believe is that, you know what, I'm, I'm not perfect. And like, potentially there's something really bad going to happen to me because I'm not perfect. And now they're telling me there's also like a way out. There's a key. There's a, there's a way that I can be saved from this like awful thing you just told me. And that one feels, that feels like an easier belief to me, even than the last one, because it's like, if you kind of have the fear of hell put into you, then like, what a relief that there's a way to be saved, you Mm -hmm. know? So I think if you believe, if you, if you buy into the first one, or even consider the belief that hell might exist and be waiting for you, the next step, the belief that there is something that we can do to like, get out of it is very attractive. Mm -hmm. And like that, that's easy to to believe as Mm -hmm. well. You know, well, especially because, like, I mean, in America, all of us are really familiar with Christianity, or like we want to believe in a God. And I think that people are spiritual in a sense and want to believe in something higher than themselves or like believe that there's more out there. And so I I think it's very, you know, it sounds. It sounds nice, like wonderful. Yeah. They want to like know that someone's there maybe to save right. them. Yeah. And it, it, I feel like it'd give you such a sense of relief, you know, because obviously it's like not something that you want to go to hell. And if you can get out of it, then awesome. Okay. So in about a 10 minute conversation that I'd be having with this vulnerable college freshman, I will have brought them to believe that there's something wrong with you brought them to believe that there's a potential that that means that they're going to like be tortured at the end of their life for the rest of time. And then also brought them to believe that there's a way that they can get out of that torture Mm -hmm. essentially. So the last thing, the, the last part of the KGP, the last part of sharing the gospel with anybody would be basically teaching them how they can become a Christian and how they can get saved. So the last step of that would essentially 
I would need to bring them to believe that by saying slash thinking a series of words, being like the the prayer to accept Jesus into your life, or however you want to put it, that an invisible, all-powerful, supernatural being is going to now write your name in like the good book of people who are going to get into heaven. Mm-hmm. That, that seems such like a far leap. That seems like right a now. really far leap. Like I yeah. can't even imagine like when we were evangelizing, how did people even ever accept that? Right. I know. Well, so, I mean, that's how it feels right now, of course. But like in the heat of the moment, as we're walking through this, as I have my like little pamphlet out and I'm showing them diagrams and I'm quoting scripture, which is like, why would I believe anybody who comes up to me with a pamphlet with little pictures in it? That's besides the point. What am I, five? That's beside the point though. You know, I feel like the confidence throws people off. It would, it probably, I'm sure it would have thrown me off. Not me. I'm always like, I'm wary of anybody. Yeah, you're a true skeptic. I'm... I, I don't know. You Which, try like, to tell me something. I'm like, uh-uh, no, I trust my gut. Thank God for the, I mean, thank God. Thank like grown up universe God, not little baby toddler Christian God. <laughs> but like, I'm so glad that you are skeptical and that you would do push against that because I feel like that's a big part of the reason why we started questioning things, you know? That's true. But I, I, that being said, like in this scenario, I can kind of see how someone who would, who would never go from like zero to I believe an invisible God is like writing my name down in his special book that's going to prevent me from being tortured at the end of my life. Like they would never make that leap. But in a, in a span of like 10 minutes by walking them through this specific process and kind of getting them to believe these little things, like these little pieces of it, it becomes a lot easier for them to buy into like the big belief that this God exists, that they need to be saved from hell, that there's a way they can be saved from hell from hell, all of that. In a span of about 10 minutes, I feel like we've taken their, if they had like a, a, a gate up of like rational, logical sense in their mind, we've like knocked it down so far by causing them to buy into these little things that they, in my mind, become really susceptible. Like the foot in the door idea, that door is like wide open now. Like they've like bought into it. There's so much there's like fear tied up in it. There's like emotions tied up in it. There's probably guilt. There's probably relief because like by feeling like, oh, my bad feeling, my the bad things I do, like don't make me a bad person now because I have a way for God or like I have a way to get right with God. All of those things make this like such a powerful little mind changer in such a short amount of time, mm-hmm. you know, brings everyone's barriers down so quick. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And so I just thought that was really interesting. And I think when you have to start out your Christian walk like that, like obviously not everybody is evangelized to at school. Yeah. Yeah. But even more so when you're a kid and you're like taught these things slowly as you grow up as a child, like then your mind's even more susceptible. And so it's, it's the same kind of idea. Like we're fed things. You kind of need to like believe small things incrementally as you work your way, like up the Christian ladder, so mm-hmm. to speak, or like down the Christian ladder, like into the pit of full on Christianity, Mm -hmm. you have to believe these incremental things that I think leave you more and more and more and more susceptible to like believing nonsense, Uh essentially. Um, And so based on that, I can kind of see how people like us ended up believing the things we believed in, in 2019 or, you know, 2016 when we were Mm -hmm, Christian mm -hmm. And people today who believe like the most outrageous stuff in 2020. This is your brain on Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Basically, like basically regardless of the fact that none of what I just said to that, that college freshman can be verified. 
Like it's all, it's all just words. Well, and it's only backed up by one book. That too. Because that's the only one that we will accept. Yeah. So none of it can be verified. None of it can be tested. None of it can even be like seen or like experienced in any kind of tangible way. And in fact, all that stuff actually goes like directly against all of our senses and experiences because we obviously like can't see any God. He's invisible. So like we can't experience any of that. At that point in like a single interaction, your logic and reasoning barriers are like knocked down so quick. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it it leaves you wide open. And so now I felt like it would be funny to kind of go through some of the crazy stuff that Christians believe and that we accept once we're that we that we that you fully accept once you're in. But that would be insane to accept without like this whole series of steps leading up to it. All right, what do we got? What are the weird things we believe? All right, step number one, your favorite, the Bible. The Bible! <laughs> I I think that this is an outrageous leap, an outrageous thing to believe in 2020, that the Bible, this super old cryptic book written in like a specific language that needed to be translated from so long ago, from the tiniest place in the world from a tiny geographical region about our very like small group of people is now considered your best source of info on life. Yeah, I don't I it's because How I'm does not, that we're not saying that the Bible doesn't have anything good to offer. No. You know, or anything like that because it does, but like why why is it that it has to be the only source of our info? Or like why as a Christian person How could you possibly come to the conclusion that this old dusty ass book is the best piece of knowledge that humanity has ever been like blessed with. Well, you believe that because other people told you that's true. Right. I liked uh, when we heard Ricky Gervais say, just read any other book, just read one (laughs) other book, read one other book. But I mean, obviously Christians read other books, but isn't it weird that like everything that you read is based on the Bible. So it's like, you aren't really reading another book, right? No, you're reading somebody else's like take on the same book that you <laughs> trust fully. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is a perfect one because I like at this point, I just, it seems so absolutely absurd that anyone would give any single book this much like gravity in their lives. Mm-hmm. Well, we were just saying the other day, how thankful we are that we are allowed because we don't have any, you know, Christian faith. We're allowed to read any book we want. And I I know that you're allowed to read any book you want when you're a Christian, but like you sort of have to also guard your mind and yeah. protect yourself and make sure that demons don't get in your head by opening <laughs> up books that would could lead you to be possessed. I don't know. So, but I feel I feel just so thankful that we're allowed to read anything we want. And I feel so free about that because knowledge should be free. Yeah. And that you don't just get possessed when you read another book and you don't have to take everything from that book. You can leave some of it there oh and gosh. you can take a part that really helps you. So much better. And there's just so much wisdom in the world yeah. from all kinds of different religions or spiritualities or just people, free thinkers or therapists. I don't know. There's. Yeah. I always thought that the Bible was the main like the best book uh-huh. in the world. Like the best piece of literature and ever And so recorded. inspirational yeah. and so beautiful and everything. And there are beautiful parts in it, but 
there's a million books yeah. and they're awesome. But when, if, if, when Christians talk about how much they love the Bible and how inspirational it is and stuff, I want to be like, have you guys read other books? Like, have you ever thought about like, there's other there's books you can read? other philosophical books. Do you know how inspiring other books are that have been written in the last like five centuries? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's, it feels so absurd to me. And, and I mean, we've talked about it before, but I feel like belief in the Bible at a certain point kind of overtakes belief in God. Cause like the only reason you'd believe in God is because the Bible says that God exists mm-hmm. in a certain way and all that. So which came a, first, the chicken or the egg, which came first, the Bible or God. Um, but anyways, so that, yeah, that one's a big one. I, I feel like that one makes me laugh. And, but I, I can kind of see how people would get there. I'd see how people could get there after having to believe like subtle, smaller things on the way to that belief. This, so this next one uh, really, really stuck out to me when we were at your family's house last time. And I think we were there for like Christmas or something, the, the time I'm talking about. But both of our families, I think are, they're really smart people and we can have like intellectual conversations with them. I don't think they're dumb or anything like that. I think they're really smart and and like they think well, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I had this moment before dinner that uh, your dad kind of called everyone in to stand in a circle and hold hands and pray for the food, that something just clicked for me. And I thought praying before a meal is so absurd. It's so absurd that us adults, there's like 10 of us adults here from like 25 to 65 who are living in the world and like have jobs and we go to the gas station and we pay our taxes and we have computers and we know about the news and about politics and all this stuff, yet we stand in a circle and we close our eyes and we like all sync up our thoughts and we think together or say out loud some words to an invisible being that we think is with us in the room and is like watching over us. And we thank that invisible being for giving us the food that we're about to eat. Even though like I literally drove to the store an hour before and picked the things off the shelf and paid for them and brought them in. And then we thank him for blessing us when we ask him to bless the food to our body, like as if it's going to help be more nourishing. And then we ask him that we he's like honored by our time gathering together. And then we say amen and everyone opens their eyes like, okay, oh yeah, now we can eat. That's think, so weird. I, feel, I think the weirdest part about it is just like the, the specific God you're praying to and asking all of those things. Because it wouldn't be weird to gather together and say, I'm so thankful that we're all together. No, and that, that wouldn't be weird at all. But thing. it's weird that... Everyone is like collectively in this group. Everyone's collectively ignoring all of our senses, which are telling us we are the only ones in this room. And we're, we're all like agreeing to buy into this illusion that we're somehow we're nothing. We're like talking God. to God. We're talking to this being that is like supposed to be here. It just seems so strange. It's like I. I think about those times now and I wish I could just be like, do you guys believe this? Like, look around, like you're adults, right? Like, what are we, what are we doing here? Why are you thanking God for the food? Like your mom made dinner and it's mm-hmm. really good. And mm-hmm. we should be thanking her. And yeah. like, I, I went to the grocery store. We should be talking about how thankful we are that we like live in a society where we can go to the store and get any food we mm-hmm. want. Like that is amazing. That's like a miracle. You know, that's something to be talking about and be thankful for. And it's weird that we exchange that, which could be like such a beautiful expression of like Thanksgiving and like a coming together of us and your family and like a connection of humans. We exchange that for this like super shallow, weird, superficial kind of like 
hidden childish idea that we need to talk to some other invisible thing and like pretend that he did this stuff for us. And if we don't pretend that he did it for us, then we don't have a lot of faith and then we're being selfish. It's just, it's so weird. It's like just so complicated. Yeah, it's really complicated. And it's just, I think the whole idea of prayer is so strange, and especially like prayer before meals and stuff is really bizarre. I read, um, my favorite book is Island by Aldous Huxley, and we've talked about it a bunch of times, but I just reread it. And in that book, before they eat as a family, they, instead of like praying or anything, they say they chew grace and they all like take the first bite of food together and they all close their eyes and they all chew it like completely until it's all chewed up and then they swallow it. And the whole point of that is so that the first bite of the food, you're completely immersed in the experience and you're tasting the taste of it and you're feeling the heat of it in your mouth or the cold. And you're like thinking about where this came from and the hands that prepared it and all of that. And that seems so much more like beautiful and so much simpler and so much more human than this weird medieval, like woo woo spirity ritual (laughs) you're supposed to do. I really liked that one. That one is one that I think about all the time. I know, you love so that one. So I'm glad we could like talk about it in full full length. And have a good option for what else to do. Yeah, yeah. True grace. True grace. Or just say thank you to the person who cooked it. That's like, even that is so much better. I know. All right, baptism. I You were baptized twice. I think, yeah. So this you're is like, like getting into like... You actual, are so purified. Like the the freaking, what do you call them? Sacram- sacraments or the just, just the ceremonies, mm-hmm. I think is like the weirdest part yeah of christianity yeah the idea that we baptize babies to purify them is really weird to me still Mm -hmm. i think is it do you think it's less weird to you because you were baptized as a baby because it was really weird to me when i was a christian i was like oh you guys are weird you baptize babies but you need to decide that you want to be baptized and i was kind of smug about it yeah i know i don't know (laughs) i feel like it's both it both of it's weird it's it's so weird because i feel like all i can see now is that humans just kind of want a way to connect with like a spirituality and they feel like they want to bless their children, Mm -hmm. but they're putting it in this perspective of Christianity. Cause I feel like anybody in any society or like different religions and everything, they have like like times when there's like a rite of passage and it sort of seems like Christianity has a lot of them. Like you Mm -hmm. could get baptized as a baby or you could go through confirmation or you could do like baptism as an adult or I don't know what other ones there are, but it just, I feel like I I can see why they want to do it. Like, because it's everybody kind of wants like sort of this, Oh, you've come through the fire now and you've chosen this and whatever. And and it's all like very symbolic. I just think like, it's just so strange that we're using these symbols from this ancient book. It's all like, you know, it says like, you need to do this. You need to do it this way. You need to dunk this baby in this water. Or like, dunk this teenager in this water. <laughs> on like the most pra- practical level, and I'm like calling myself out for this because I totally believe this too, but like why why in the world would you believe that like by like slamming a teenager underwater that that somehow does something on this like cosmic level? Because I understand ritual and like and, and things we go through to, to symbolize a rite of passage or to like mark a significant event in your life or this and that. But baptism is more than that, or it was for me. I like, I literally felt like when I went down under the water, when I came back out, that something like spiritual or cosmic had literally happened to me. Mm -hmm. That somehow in like, from a universe perspective, I was 
changed by Mm -hmm. going underwater and coming back out and not by myself, but like, because somehow I believed that once I got slammed down in the lake and rushed up, now God could do something or Mm -hmm. like the Holy spirit would now be able to get in because he couldn't before or something. Yeah, because you're wet and you, he's kind of slippery. Yeah, that's probably why. Oh, I'm wet oh, now, so it's easier to get in. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh my God. Okay, but it's just... Yikes. It's just so... It is It is weird. Oh, yeah. Like, what if you were evangelizing to the kid and you were like, okay, so now that you're a Christian, what's going to happen next is you're going to... We need to dunk you in the water. Um, You're going to be... Uh, told to like stop everything that you're doing. Uh, you're just like, what if you just said all the things that you had to do like straight up? Oh my gosh! And you're it'd be <laughs> so like overwhelming. The reason, you'd be like, no. It seems like really like actually kind of shady that you don't say like all the things that you're going to yeah. be a part of as a Christian because you know that it would scare them away. Oh no! What we should do? We should like all you guys listening to you can help us with this. Let's put together a born again again community um, gospel tract. But in it, spell out very clearly everything that you actually have to buy into and that you, you actually have to, have to do and believe. And it's going to be, it'll be long. It'll be like 30 pages. And there's going to be a lot of checkboxes on it of the things that you need to do and to order, become Christian and to maintain Christianity. You have to have everybody initial each one. I right. mean, a person initial each one if they want uh-huh. to be a part of yeah, like a long, like a long contract. It's almost like, are you okay having your information shared? <laughs> like when they ask people on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, a lot of the elders are going to be gossiping oh, about you. Oh, you're going to have a lot of people talking about your sins. <laughs> that's true. So you're going to have to initial here to make Other sure people, that that's okay. Your home group leader will be talking about your sins, telling the elders, and your elders will call you in for a meeting oh, and they'll have to talk about it together. Gosh, yeah, so there's And a lot all of your sexual sin, too. Definitely. Definitely. That's, that's definitely going to be found out. So. And every, all of your sexual history will be broadcast. Yep. You have to give up your own um, autonomy and your personal history and your personal privacy. That's and any important decision you need to make, you can't make it by yeah, yourself. Yeah, that's out the window, too. Mm-mm, yeah, no. yeah, that sounds good. I think that our track would be really long. We can make it look really attractive on the outside, but then slap them with the truth on the inside. That's true. <laughs> All right, so the next one we have written down is speaking in tongues, which I know not every Christian embraces but we definitely did and i never really thought that i would be trying to speak some magic words <laughs> some magic language you know this is actually one that i don't really think about that often but i do feel like a little bit embarrassed that i ever tried to do it because i over and over again was like how do you do it how do you do it yeah, how are these people doing it? it like does it feel like just like the spirit's overtaking you or uh-huh. like what how do you know that it's like you and it's not you know or it's not just you or it's God. Like, how do you know when the right time is? How do you know what to do? And like, looking back on it, all I got from people answering that question was, you just kind of have to go for it. You have to step out in faith. So what that means is you just like step out in faith. You just do it. You just do what you've heard other people do. You just copy the lady over there who looks like a psycho. You just start copying the the person who you hear doing it most at church, Uh like up on stage and that's exactly what happened. And that's and exactly why everyone's tongue language sounded like so similar. Exactly. <laughs> and it's funny now because I would think that if I had some kind of spiritual power because I was a Christian, it would definitely stop when I left. But no, it did not. And I can still do it. Yeah. I do all the time in the shower. It's dope as hell. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, that that one is crazy. Like the idea that you somehow believe that God that God wants you to make those sounds rather than just saying something directly to you or the, rather than just like giving you revelation in a different way that some because for some reason these gibberish sounds are very important to God and there's no other way except for that way to get across his very specific message that he doesn't want anyone to understand and i know that some christians actually like believe like there's it doesn't like help 
it doesn't edify people, right? That's the word, the edify, because it does say that in the Bible, it's not like edifying to every person unless you have a translator. But it's in the Bible. Yeah. So look at it. Right. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. So we're allowed to try it. Uh, you're, you're and right. we can try it now in 2020 if I want. <laughs> it's in the Bible. You said the Bible is my only book. Yeah. So I'm going to like read every part of it. Yeah, totally. And be curious about everything in there. That's Come right. Come on. It's like you have this one book, but then there's rules about like which parts you want to follow. Like oh, yeah. I don't get it. There's a lot of rules. All right. That uh, it was funny. Hot. Something you said earlier that a lot of Christians, I feel like if there are any Christians listening to the podcast, they'd hear this part and they'd be like, I don't believe in that. Like, that's so crazy. No, the spiritual gifts, those aren't real. And if you believe that, then I see why you left Christianity, because actually you didn't quite believe the right thing. And those gifts, they were for back then, but you know oh, what? They're God. not for now anymore. Oh my God. They're like so justified. Yeah, there's like so many other things that are so much crazier. But we got some more. We got some Here more. Here we go. So this one doesn't apply to me directly, but I was thinking about Catholicism and how in Catholicism, you have to confess to a priest. Mm. What the hell? That's so weird. That's so weird that you would have to go in to your your church. What is it called? The building. Just call it church in Catholics. What does Catholics call it? <laughs> I can't think of it because you totally threw me off. You go a into cathedral. your local cathedral. And I call it a church. <laughs> you go into a dark box with a in a closed space with a celibate non-married like non-father figure as a probably a young person like kids have to do this too right and tell them like your deepest darkest sins Secrets. and you probably feel relief because you feel like so guilty because everyone's told you that like everything you do is wrong and so by going and like getting it out in the open you feel some relief and you're like oh good i like i feel better god must have or whatever my priest must have like forgiven me through god that's I got an a absurd. Tip for you. Just write it in a journal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. Write it down. Like you can do that yourself. But that's so absurd. I would never even think about going and like telling all my secrets to some guy in a dark box that I can't see. You would think like, about it if you were part of, of that. Behind like the screen. It just seems so weird. It so is weird. weird how non-private your life becomes when you're a Christian, yeah. and you do not sign up for that. Like, yeah. but it gets less and less private the further you get in. And I'm, I realized that was really hard for me because yeah. not that I need to be private, but when everybody's speaking into your life, like you can't really hear what's best for you. And I know to Christians that sounds selfish, but I feel so much better, like following my gut now. That phrase speaking into my life triggered me. This whole conversation is <laughs> triggering someone right now. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. That That is like something you definitely give up is like your privacy for sure. Um, we've got two more here, two, two bangers. Uh, the belief that, and this is something I like majorly believed, the belief that the moment you get married, like, I don't know what the moment would be. Maybe when the guy says, I now pronounce you husband and wife, that like, boom, in that moment, something changes on a cosmic level. And now, even though... Two hours ago, I was just talking to you like a normal person and we just had a relationship. Now we are one. And now sex, which was the worst thing we can do, is heavily forbidden. It would taint your relationship. It would taint your life. It would cause you to be impure. You'd be, it, it would be depravity in the eyes of God. Two hours later, now it's the best thing ever. And go ahead and go at it. And it's so beautiful. And you should enjoy it because God gave it to mm -hmm. us. And, and it's going to be the best thing for you. I feel what, like people don't, what do people think marriage is? No, what do people, people think a marriage ceremony is? That like how serious Christians take marriage and in that as, as a ceremony, yeah. that it's like magic. Like it, that no, it's, seriously. That 
I feel like I've heard my dad talk about it and I've heard other Christians say that it's like, it's a, a sacrament yeah. of God that you become one yeah. and it's a mystery, but it's, it's real, you know, you become one and there's, it's unexplainable or I don't know that it's, they, they take it seriously right. that it's like some kind of magic spell that binds you. Yeah. Because regular people get married all the time. And, <laughs> totally. Like I mean, they like to get married that. and like it's fine for them and it's still uh-huh. special and all of that. But they definitely don't believe that it's as magical as the Christians no, believe it is. No, it, it really is like a spell. It's as if the minister who's who's doing the officiant, if me, I, I like me being an officiant last year, it's as if I hold some like golden key to open up like the the favor of god onto you're just this the relationship channel. you're the channel uh, yeah somehow i do some magic and in this like 40 minute span during a wedding ceremony something magical happens and your relationship is now transformed i think a good question to ask yourself in all of these kind of like ceremonies is if we were wearing a hoods and capes <laughs> with hood- <laughs> if we we're wearing like cloaks with hoods would it would it look would it be weirder oh no my it would be the same oh and God. it would look a little bit like a cult it would look a little bit more like more appropriate i think yeah a lot that's of this what, stuff yeah i guess that's what i mean like would it be would it fit you know like is there a way that it fit you know when we're getting oh married gosh. bride and groom wearing like a hooded cloak and also the the pastor and then maybe like a hooded cloak too, for while sure. you're getting baptized you're wearing a hooded cloak yeah I, I or feel like, like everyone who's baptizing you wears some sort of dark hooded cloak yeah you just ima- like imagine that and i feel like if you can imagine that happening then it seems like you might be a part of some scary ceremony that's a really good a really good test if you're doing something and you're like is this weird what i'm doing think if everyone who's here with me were wearing dark hooded cloaks would this be weirder or would this seem to like fit together more yeah and if it fits together more then, I'm then in a cult. you may be a cult. <laughs> <laughs> what if we oh my god wait can you apply that to like making dinner at night if we're making I was dinner just thinking cloaks? about that no it seems like you're a part That'd of like weird. halloween yeah it's or like, like you'd be like why are they wearing hoods and stuff but if someone was like dipping each other in water and had their hands up and were shouting things into the sky and they're, they're like, okay, yeah. you'd be like, Whoa, there's some Cult. kind of weird, like religious ceremony going on down there. They're weirdos. Okay. Yeah. That was a weird tangent, but I, I hope we made it. I loved it. That yeah. point clear. Well, so this next, the last one we have on our list um, would definitely make more sense if everyone was wearing robes and hoods. And especially if they had, maybe it was only candlelight or perhaps red light, red robes, red robes, and red light, really dark. Okay, and, imagine the scene that yeah, Joe's painting. Uh-huh. And everyone in the auditorium is sitting in silence, and there's one person up in the front. Maybe he has a black There's candles. On. There's candles on everywhere. On an altar? Definitely. There's a table in the center of the room, and it has silver containers on it. Mm-hmm. One of them is filled with small cups of dark red liquid. And the other silver container is containing a bunch of uh, little pieces of white, these white flakes. Bread. And the guy up on the stage says... And there's says, one cup in the middle that's larger <laughs> than all the cups. And it's silver and it's a goblet and it's filled with red liquid, the color of blood. The color of blood. <laughs> Communion. Communion is so weird. How, I, how in the world... Can people in 2020, normal people who have cell phones and they they drive their car and they have kids and they they live in the world. Also, and they're like, don't read Harry Potter. And it's, also... Because it's the devil trying to get you. And then they do this thing, which seems like the occult. And they go to church and they go up to the front and they get a cup that represents human blood. 
And then they get a little cracker, which represents very white, pale human flesh. And they consume it. And they feel really good about it. And they think that the blood washes them clean. What in the world? Some some churches literally believe it like transforms into the actual flesh. And so blood, there's right? like a pers- uh, perspective. Uh, um, I just forgot the word. You know, like a sliding scale of some people. Yeah, you're right. They do believe. I think so. I grew up Lutheran. We literally wore robes, and I had to wear. A Wait, robe. you did? No, no, not everybody. Okay, like the <laughs> pastors. Like, but I, but I lit the altar candles sometimes, and I oh. wore a freaking robe. Okay, cool. And I carried a freaking staff yeah. with like a little candle thing on it to light the candles and put them out and i had a bow before the altar oh my god what in the world that's so scary i was 13 you were a little weird cult girl i was 13 you were a little weird cult i know blood drinking girl so anyway it so that was more intense because i feel like in confirmation or catechism class whatever we learned that the body and blood is in with and under the wine and the bread which in with and under that's the phrase okay and it's a mystery that's what he said he just was like, you need to remember that. And you probably filled it out on a freaking test. It probably oh, said like the body and blood is blank, blank, and blank. And we were like, in, with, and under. It felt so and good like, about check, it. like, check, 100%, yeah. A+. Plus. Oh and I was gosh. a great student, so yeah, no, I remembered everything. Yeah. But, yeah, that. so that's like, I think, like, like really far on the on the it's scale. like the literal side. Yeah. yeah. But then some people just believe that it's like a symbol of remembrance. Yeah. So like, let's talk about them because I feel like they're the most liberal. And so let's talk <sighs> about them because I think like everybody can say maybe like the other side of it, the people who believe that it's literal body and blood, it's like weird. But what about the Christians who are like, oh, we don't believe it's real. Mm-hmm. We just believe that you know, it's just a symbol and it symbolizes this and we want to remember that Jesus died for our sins. At what point do you start to question yourself that you are worshiping a dead man and remembering that he bled for you and that his body was buried in a tomb? At what point do you not question yourself and say, am I a part of something that's weird? <laughs> like, is this okay? I am worshiping the death of someone yeah. because I think it gave me life. And the way I, I symbolize that is by... By symbolically drinking their blood and eating their flesh, that is so weird. Because even if you did want to remember, even if, even if you did want to honor Jesus and say like, yes, his death was the most important thing to me, and his resurrection was like the world to me. There's so many ways you could remember that. You're not yeah. going to forget why that. Why not have a Why not have a sacrament? Because I feel like communion is a big deal. It yeah. happens like a lot. Why not have a sacrament that's devoted to the resurrection, not to the death? Yeah. Yeah. Because, dude, just be positive. It's so Don't weird. Look at the bad, <laughs> oh don't look at the bad side of it. The bad side of it was like fake anyways. He came back in three days. It was like a fake death. We always say that, like, how can he really have died if he came back? How can it be a real sacrifice? Yeah. yeah. That's a that's Because the sacrifice is that different. somebody's gone. Yeah. They're, they're done. Right. They did their time. It's no sacrifice. But anyways, I, I feel like regardless of where anybody falls on the spectrum of, like, between, oh, this is just, like, something I do to remember Jesus all the way to the this blood is in under within what is it what'd you say it's okay you failed (laughs) Failed. Uh, you know like all the way to like this is i'm literally eating flesh and drinking blood across that whole spectrum i feel like symbolic or not eating people is bad right like symbolically eating a person is so weird yeah that's like cannibalism if i if any other 
imagine if I went to my family and I said, Hey, I'm like, I'm part of this new religion. It's, it's really good for me. Or I, or I found this new group that, group, that group. I have like, I have made a new bunch of new friends. They have really cool life philosophy. Um, and the other thing is that we practice drinking, um, our leader's blood and eating its body. Um, every week, every week. And it, it's really, it means a lot to me. My parents would be like, what, like <laughs> what in the world? You, you guys would be like, that is demonic. Like that's satanic. Are you guys sure you're okay? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that sounds really weird and bad, but like, it's so normalized. My, my like sweet old grandma, who's like a totally normal, just nice grandma can go to church and like pretend to drink blood and eat flesh. No, oh, I know what it's so weird. It's so weird. But again, like based on everything you have to believe to get to that point where you're taking communion, each of those steps is so, so small compared to going from just being a human to I drink blood and eat flesh. Mm -hmm. So I can, I can understand how you can go down that rabbit hole and yeah. get there. Mm -hmm. I really like this quote. We can end like this part of the episode on this from Sam Harris, all of our favorites. Um, he said, if you wake up tomorrow morning thinking that saying a few Latin words over your pancakes is going to turn them into the body of Elvis Presley, you have lost your mind. But if you think more or less the same thing about a cracker and the body of Jesus, you are just a Catholic. That's a good quote. Yeah, it's perfect. So communion's weird. I don't care if you say it's a symbol or if it's just a ritual or if it's just some tradition you do. It's really weird to pretend you're drinking blood and eating flesh. It and is weird. if you call yourself a normal person and you also do that, I think that you should maybe be a, a little more willing to question the things that you do and continue to call them normal. So let's talk about season two. Yes. So a couple months ago, we started talking about the podcast again and and what it really means to us. And I feel like a light bulb moment went off in my head and I think in Joe's where I feel like we both really realized how important this is. And I think that, I mean, I have to say that especially for Joe, because he's definitely been more involved in talking with you guys and seeing how amazing this community here is and how we really truly have something very special. And every single day he's been coming to me and saying, I have an idea. I have another idea for the podcast. I have this idea. I want to do this. I want to do this. Doesn't this sound so great? And we've been having all these ideas and he's been doing all of these things. He's been asking on his Facebook if he can talk with old Christian <laughs> friends. I mean, how cringy is that? He's had two conversations. He's interviewed some authors and he's interviewed a sex and relationship coach. He has all of these ideas for other interviews to pursue. And we basically had to sit down and be like, what are we doing with this? What yeah. is going to happen? And so one day I was standing in the kitchen and I was like, why don't we just launch a season two and start over fresh? Like it's a new, it's a new schedule. It's a new thing. And we'll do more things that can help our community. And we want to grow as well. We don't want to just sit and always talk to each other. So we're thinking like, who can we talk to? What experts can we interview? Mm -hmm. And I, I guess I, I want to be really, really like transparent and vulnerable with everyone who's listening. Basically, I, <laughs> we really, really love you all. We feel like this community is so, so amazing. Like everybody who's in our Facebook group, everyone who's following our Instagram and commenting on there are like the best people. You know, we left our community, we left our Christian community. And by doing this podcast, by creating the Facebook group and the Instagram and all that, I, I feel so much that, that like what we, what we've, started and what now all of you who are listening have kind of joined in on and have helped create 
is something so real. I, I don't really know how else to put it. It just, it feels like really, really real to me, like something that is meaningful and something that's really important on like a, a cosmic global scale. Like this feels very important to me. And I feel like what we have as a community and, um, and, and as a group of people who are kind of connected by this shared experience is such a beautiful thing. And for me, running this group and doing the podcast and thinking about these things and talking to you guys, this is the stuff that I wake up and I think about first thing in the morning. It's, I'd say it's the most important thing to me. And I feel like I, I've, since I left Christianity, I've obviously been like searching for purpose and meaning in my life. And I, I know all of you can relate to that in a big way. And, and while I don't think I've found an answer, like a black and white, this is my purpose. I feel that right now at this stage in my life, this is what I can offer to the world. So basically what we would love is to do this full time or just to have more time to put all of our energy into it. And if this is something that you guys have really, you know, been a there with us for and really believe in, we're asking that you support us on our Patreon. And we're going to be putting out episodes on our Patreon. So it's going to be really worthwhile for you as well. And it's going to be so worthwhile for us because we're going to be able to put so much energy and in, into all of these new ideas. Yeah. So like I said, we want to have one episode in the first week of a month and then another episode on the third week of the month, and those two will be public. And then we're going to have one that's going to come out in the second week of the month, where it will be on our Patreon only, and it will be very old school, Katie and Joe, riffing about some <laughs> crazy Christian things. And and I feel like this is going to be a really good schedule for us both. Totally. Yeah, I think we both feel like so excited about this new schedule and the, the way that it can work and the, the extra time and energy that we'll be able to put into this, I think will make things really awesome. I want to, I want to, I have so many ideas. <laughs> I want to do like a born again, again, book club, or to do uh, maybe guided meditation sessions or potentially start a discord server or like put together a born again, again, community playlist. I want to do meetups. There's someone in our, in our Facebook group who I don't want to like name them online right now, but they've been setting up a weekly hangout for all of us. I feel like all of that stuff is so cool and so good and so like wholesome and loving. I want to just pour, be able to like pour time and energy into that stuff because I personally believe in it so, so, so much. So like Katie said, if you find yourself really relating to kind of our ideas, our philosophy, our vision for what this community can grow into, or if you found yourself already loving the community that we've built up and have enjoyed the episodes over the last year and a half, we're humbly asking that you head over to our Patreon and sign up. Um, it's 10 bucks a month. Uh, we've, we really feel like we have so much more to give and so much energy and excitement for this. And we're really, really hoping that y'all will come along on this ride with us. As always, thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you all soon.